Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from the first four verses of Psalm 103, given by inspiration to King David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth, and we pray that you would now increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> it's an hour of my life I will never get back. I was 13 years old. I had recently been confirmed a few months earlier, and I had to write out 12, 12 thank you notes. <laughs> I'm serious, 12. And my mom hounded me and hounded me to get these done. And it took at least a good hour of my life to sit down, an hour to sit down and write out these thank you notes. What drudgery. I finally did it. And uh, I thought of all the things I could have been doing outside, playing with my friends. It was hard for me to know what to write to some of these people. Some of them I didn't know real well. Did they really need to be thanked for the gift they gave me? Do they really care if they get a note from little Donnie? I could come up with multiple, multiple reasons why I felt it was unnecessary for me to write out these cards. Sound familiar? Why is gratitude sometimes such a difficult thing? And we get better at hiding it as we get older, but why is it such a difficult thing? We see it in children so blatantly sometimes. Why is it easy to forget? to thank people or to thank God for various things. I'll give you my reasons. First of all, it's self-centeredness. It's hard for me to think of other people. I can tell you what I want, but it's hard for me to think about what would be best for another person. My pride. If you think about it, it takes some humility to express thanks to people. You're kind of humbling yourself, even if it just means taking a few seconds of your time. Assuming we are entitled to the things that we have or get, that we deserve them, sometimes that's an, a reason for ingratitude. Maybe it's a lack of appreciation for the sacrifice that it took to give you the thing that you got, the gift that you have. Maybe it's um, a diminished appreciation for, for the size of the gift. And sometimes it's just plain stubbornness. You see that in little kids sometimes. I've seen my daughter and son with their little children, my grandchildren, sometimes reminding one of their children, make sure you say thank you, and even after telling them that, they don't want to do it. It's a, it's a prideful thing inside of us. The problem is that I'm tempted to take this same ingratitude toward people and turn it toward God into my spiritual life. And I can intellectually tell you why I should appreciate the gifts that God has given me, whether earthly or heavenly, spiritually. 
But as far as the actual activity and movement of thanking God and expressing gratitude to God, that so often comes very hard for me. And part of the problem is that for me, my heart can grow so apathetic about the kingdom of God and about the things of God. This isn't unusual even for Christians. In Ephesus, by the time of the writing of the revelation given to St. John, this very congregation that had been started by St. Paul's efforts and his mission efforts, whom he writes to so clearly earlier on as being uh, loving and appreciating Christ and everything, by the time of the revelation given to St. John, probably in the 90s, so maybe 30 years later, they're already being chastised for forsaking their first love for kind of forgetting about how important Christ is and all the things that he's done for them. Martin Luther said that uh, if you think back to when the Reformation took off in the 1520s, let's say a lot, of, a lot of the German people were learning the gospel for the first time and coming out from the, the, uh, the, the curse and the threat of the thought of purgatory and earning your way to heaven and spending thousands of years in purgatory and now to come to realize it's by grace you've been saved through faith. Christ has done it all. Luther said, as he writes just 10 years later, that many of the German people were already losing their appreciation for the gospel. There's an old saying that says familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. And what that means is the, the more you're around something or someone that you would like and appreciate and think is great, but the more you're around that, the less you value it, the less you appreciate it. And I know for myself that's the temptation I have with the gospel. St. Bernard of Clairvaux in the 1200s said this, or the 1100s, he said, Ingratitude is an evil that is dangerous and is capable of quenching the springs of God's grace. It's capable of suffocating faith when we don't allow ourselves to be grateful for the things God has given us. I don't know if any of you have ever been a waiter or waitress, but waitresses will tell you the worst tip you can get is like a nickel or a quarter. If you get nothing, that you can excuse by thinking the person forgot. But when you get only a nickel or a dime or a quarter, that is an expression of a lack of appreciation. I think about the collection plates that go to the altar of our wonderful, gracious, triune God. How many nickels, in a sense, do we throw into those plates to show our appreciation for the great blessings that God showers down on us every day, not just earthly blessings, but especially the ones that are waiting for us. David in our psalm reminds us that gratitude toward God begins at the cross. It begins with knowing his grace. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. From the deepest part of our being, this appreciation should store up and well up. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he begins with the top one, who forgives all your iniquities. The, the most essential, necessary blessing that we get from God is just his mercy to forgive us even the ingratitude in our hearts, to forgive us for all the different ways that we break his commandments on a daily basis. 
that peace with God that we have because of what Christ uh, came into this world to do, that peace that we have with God is the chief among all the blessings. It's the, it's the window through which you should look at your whole life and your whole future. I think about Jesus as a child, how different he probably, well, he certainly was from me as a child when it comes to gratitude toward his parents, toward his neighbors, family members, siblings, all of that. Just think what it was like to watch Jesus walk around on a daily basis or when he went to the synagogue and just an expression of gratitude and appreciation. And for the things of God, we see him as the 12-year-old child in the temple appreciating and cherishing the things of God. How different from my life. And yet how comforting it is that 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 perfect little child, that perfect teenager, that perfect young man who, who always had nothing but pure gratitude toward God, that his perfection of holiness has been given to me and to you in the waters of our baptism. What a gift from God. It now covers us and dresses us. So let's ask ourselves, how can, how can I grow in my appreciation and gratitude toward God for all that he's done for me? Well, first of all, truly reflect on what God has graciously forgiven in your life. Last week, I referred again to the story of the woman washing Jesus' feet with her tears and wiping with, his hair, with her hair and things. There were other people at that room and at that table that didn't do that, of course. Some of them maybe had the same sins in their life that she did, for all we know, at least in their hearts and minds. And yet she was filled with such appreciation and gratitude for Christ's grace. Whenever we go and receive the Lord's Supper and, and think how frequently we bring the same sins to that altar that God now forgives us for over and over again, his mercies are new every morning, we hear. Think how wonderful that is. Secondly, when you reflect on what your loving Savior has spared you from, we think about the destruction that, that should have been in our future. The psalmist says, He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. You know, Noah and his family, when they got off of the ark, can you imagine what it was like to walk around and see the destruction from the flood? The carnage that was around them, the dead bodies, not just of animals, but of human beings. I bet they ran into them for decades after that. And the stench that came from all of that. No wonder we're told when they realized what they had been spared from by the grace of God, Noah and his family right away built an altar of thanks to God. When you and I look ahead and think of the, the stench of death, and eternal destruction that we've been spared from because of what Christ has done, that should just well up gratitude in our hearts. Imagine if, if God just permitted you for a moment to, to see all of the evil that he protects you from every day. If he suddenly gave you glasses that allowed you to see the angel kingdom that is shielding in you and protecting you. Last week we had to shut down the campus because of a, a shooter just a block away from our campus. And I, like everybody else, was laughing about all of that and things too. If we could have seen how God's angels were guarding and protecting us, things that we just easily take for granted. So have an appreciation for what God spares us from. 
when you reflect on just the earthly blessings that you enjoy every day in your life. He says he, he heals all our diseases. Think about all the little cuts and bruises and the different, the different illnesses you've had in your life that you've been healed from, that, that God, just by the design of your body or from the wonders of modern medicine, have spared us from. Just such a blessing. And especially when we consider what our gracious God has prepared for us in the future. I love this passage. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. That's true right now. But think how magnified that is going to be when we finally reach our eternal home. And so all of us as believers in this Savior should pray together, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Amen.